Welcome to worship. We're so glad that you chose to be here with us today. I'm Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. If this is your first time joining us, we invite you to check in with us. If you'll provide an email address, this coming week we will send you a Starbucks gift card and the coffee is on us. This is week three of our sermon series, Rest. Pastor Spencer has a great message for us in just a few moments. And speaking of the message, you'll find online sermon discussion questions and more at schweitzer.church next. Now, here's Stephanie with this week's announcements. Hello, welcome to Schweitzer. I'm Stephanie. Ladies, this coming Saturday, March 18th, we invite you to join with us as we get to know each other and also take up a special prayer challenge. Join us from 9 to 11 in the Student Center. You can stop at the Blue Booth today for more information or sign up online. We look forward to seeing you there. Next Sunday, March 19th, we'll be having a special prayer service at 5 p.m. in the Student Center. During this service, we'll be focusing on praying about forgiveness. We'll also have a special time of worship, as well as time for personal prayer and anointing. Everyone is encouraged to attend. We really hope that you'll make time for this time of prayer. On Saturday, March 25th, Corey, our Director of Connections, will be leading a Purpose Discovery Workshop. This will be a powerful time of exploring how God wires us in unique ways to make a difference in our church and in our world. We really hope that you'll join us for this fantastic workshop on Saturday, March 25th at 10 a.m. As you know, Easter is coming and we need lots of hands to help us with our Easter prep party on March 28th and also to help us out on Easter Sunday. Our Easter services will be held at 9 a.m. for our traditional service and 11 a.m. for our modern service. Plus, we'll have a big egg hunt in between. You can sign up to help us out at the Blue Booth today or by going online to schweitzer.church Easter. Last but not least, to keep up on everything going on around here at Schweitzer, be sure to sign up for our e-news at schweitzer.church. And also be sure to grab a copy of our Spark magazine. You can find copies out in the Fellowship Center as well as other places around the church. And if you're interested in learning more about what it means to be a member here, please consider joining us for our special time next Sunday where you can learn more about that. Let one of the pastors or staff members know that you'd like to be a part of that group. We are so grateful that you're here this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie, for sharing those great announcements. We want to invite you to join us for any or all of these great activities that happen here at Schweitzer Church. You can find out more about them at schweitzer.church next. If you're worshiping live with us today, we invite you to join in the chat. Say hello to your friends or give us your insights. And if you're in need of prayer, we have someone waiting for you in the prayer room. Just press that button and we'll be right with you. And now, Let's continue in worship.
As we come to this time of prayer, I invite you to join me as we go to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Holy God, we are in awe of who you are. 
We thank you for the blessings of each day. We thank you for the miracles that you bring to us that sometimes we forget to even notice. And God, we thank you for just being there for us every day. You have supplied us with everything we need, all the things that are necessary for each day of our life, yet God, sometimes we fail to trust in you. Help us to stop and rest and just remember what a blessing each day is and the fact that you give us everything we need. God, we trust you, we believe you, and we take you at your word. And Lord, as we continue to pray today, we wanna pray the prayer that you gave to us, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, I want to share with you about a great ministry that happens here at Schweitzer Church. Our joy pickers and senior saints practice every week here at the church, and then they go out into the community and share their music with everyone they meet. They bring joy wherever they go, and recently just played and sang for our second season ministry. And we are so thankful that they're willing to share their gifts to the glory of God. It's because of your generosity that things like this can happen at Schweitzer Church. We want to remind you that you can give online at schweitzer.church give. Thank you so much for supporting ministries like this one and so many others. And now let's enter into week three of the sermon series, Rest. Well, welcome today. My name is Spencer. So glad that you're here with us. 
Today is part three of a six-week series called Rest, as we're spending six weeks exploring the biblical uh, teaching of the Sabbath. And what we're finding is that the Sabbath is about so much more than what you do or don't do one day a week. It's really about a whole way of life that very few people find. Now, modern American Christians, we, we tend to dismiss the Sabbath. It's not something that we think about very often. It's old-fashioned. It's irrelevant. And, and we, we dismiss it even though that the Sabbath is all over the Bible. I mean, there's almost 200 references to the Sabbath in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. This is like a core biblical thought um, about the Sabbath. And, and yet, for most of us, we, we don't give this really any thought whatsoever. Now, I have this wild theory that's guiding this series that, that modern American Christians, we desperately need to rediscover the Sabbath. We, we need to, to relearn this practice because there's something about it that will liberate us and, and allow us to live in a different way because the, the message we're learning from the culture around us is to be um, overscheduled, overcommitted, live hectic, busy lives. And in the midst of that, we become disconnected from God, disconnected from each other. We, 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 we drift into a life that we really don't want to be living in with the when the solution is before us with this, with this teaching of the Sabbath. And so today, this is part three. We're going to be in Exodus 16. And we're going to see this teaching today. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the Bible. This is, this is so good, Exodus 16. Because what it teaches us is that, is that the Sabbath is directly linked to how we trust God or don't trust God. So Exodus 16, we're going to start in verse one. We're going to work our way slowly through this chapter. Um, here's what, what we learn. Verse one, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. Let me say that a different way. 15th day of the second month, uh, six weeks. So six weeks ago, the people of Israel were uh, slaves in Egypt. You know the story. God calls to Moses to go confront Pharaoh and uh, Moses goes and he, he confronts Pharaoh to let the people go because the people of Israel have been slaves for generations, 400 years, they've been slaves. And uh, you read about the 10 plagues. Uh, eventually Pharaoh relents and he lets the people go and, and immediately he changes his mind. So the people are leaving Egypt and he changes his mind. So he sends the army after them. And as the people of Israel find themselves uh, liberated from slavery, they, they're camped on the banks of the Red Sea. Um, the Egyptian army is coming after them to reclaim them, to bring them back into slavery. Everyone's panicked and worried what's going to happen. Moses stands up, clears his throat, gives one of the best speeches of all time. It's in Exodus 14. He says, the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. You just need to be still and trust in the Lord. And then the Bible talks about how the, the wind begins to blow and the waters of the Red Sea are gathered on one side. And the Bible says that the people of Israel walk through on dry ground and and that they're delivered from these Egyptians because the Egyptians follow them, the waters come back and they drown them. And so um, the Lord has come and he's, and, he's Egyptian, and, he's, and he's rescued them. So all of that was um, six weeks ago, right? This is six weeks after they were rescued from slavery. So six weeks ago, they were slaves leaving Egypt. And so the parting of the Red Sea and this great miracle, like this just happened. I mean, think about what you were doing six weeks ago. It wasn't very long ago. This is recent memory for them. This is right, right on their, uh, right on their, right on their memory. Now, now what they're doing is they've crossed the Red Sea. They are heading out into the desert to go to Mount Sinai. And as they go out to the desert, you got to think about this. They've got this whole nation with them going out into the desert with very few resources. And so you got to wonder, how is this 
slave nation going to be able to provide for themselves? How are they going to have the resources to feed one another, to, to have enough water to drink as they go out into this wasteland? And, and, it's, and they were slaves six weeks ago, so it's not like they have wealth to depend on where they have provisions that they can, they can tap into. They, they are going out into this desert. The anxious among them must be incredibly worried as they, as they see the, the lack of resources that are around them as they go out into the desert to head toward Mount Sinai. So verse two, as they head out to the desert, their anxiety is rising. It says, the, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I mean, talk about a loss of perspective. (laughs) Yeah, okay, maybe you had food in Egypt, but I bet it wasn't pots of meat that you were sitting around. I bet you didn't have all the food you wanted because after all, let's not forget, you were slaves. And as you, as you think back about this, I mean, like this is nostalgia and yes, like we're, we're in the wilderness now and things are hard and maybe there's not as much as we want there to be. We're in the desert, but let's not forget, like just a few weeks ago, we just saw one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, the, the parting of the Red Sea. We just saw the Lord come through in this dramatically powerful way. And now we're like, our tummies are a little grumbly, but let's not forget what the Lord just did. Like this loss of perspective is just astounding here. Verse four says, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather enough, listen to this line, for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Let me say that differently. Um, I will test them and see if they will trust me. That's really what, what the Lord is saying here. I'll test them and see if they will They will trust me because here's the thing about trust. Trust shows up in practical ways. Like sometimes in church, we talk about having faith or or believing in God, but but to trust God, it's not so much that we believe in God because that means like what we think about God, but, but trust shows up not just when we believe in God, but we actually believe God. Do you see the difference there? To believe in something is just, I, I think about it, but to believe God is to actually take him at his word, to be obedient, to listen to him, to, to follow him and to actually do what, what God says. And so there's a big difference here between believing in something and actually believing something. And that's, that's the, the rub here. Are they, gonna, are they gonna follow my instructions? Are they gonna actually believe me? So let's look at what this belief looks like in action, this trust looks like in action. Verse five says on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. I'm gonna read that last sentence to you one more time. You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Now think about that just for just a second. They think that their problem is they don't have enough food. They think the problem is that they're out in the desert and there's not enough resources. But the real problem is that they don't trust God. 
They don't trust God to take, take care of them. And so it, it makes me wonder when, when I complain and grumble, and I tend to do that just like everyone else, when I complain and grumble, I, it makes me wonder, what am I really complaining about? Am I, am I really complaining about this thing that's upsetting me? Or am I really complaining about something else? Because as someone who, who believes that God is active in my life, what am I saying about God when I complain about things that are hard in my life? Like this is something for us to think about. So the next time you find yourself complaining and grumbling and, and upset, you gotta think to yourself, what, what am I really complaining about? Am I really complaining that my car is old? Am I really complaining that my house is small? Am I really complaining about my spouse? Am I really complaining about my kids? Am I really complaining about my health? Am I really complaining about my boss who I don't like? Or am I, am I complaining because I don't trust God when life is hard? So Moses says, you're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. In response to this grumbling, Moses, he gathers everyone together and he, he tells them all, he says, the Lord, he hears your complaints and because God is good and he takes care of us, um, even in this desert with nothing out here, he says, God is able to take care of us and he, he's gonna do this. And he tells them every day, every day, God is gonna show up and he's gonna give you this, this bread from heaven. Every day, he, all you need to do is just gather enough for that day. And here's how the Bible describes it. Verse 13 is how the, the, the bread from heaven worked. Um, it says, in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. By the way, the Hebrew word for what is it is uh, manna. That's where we get the word. So what is it? Now Moses goes on, he gives instructions that every day you need to gather what you need for that day. And the Bible says that the people who gathered much did not have too much. And the people who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had exactly what they needed. And tomorrow, you, you, Lord is going to come for, through for you again. So you don't need to gather enough for tomorrow, just enough for that one day. But, and that leads to one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Exodus 16, verse 20, describes what happens when people don't listen to Moses and kept gathering. He says, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. And they kept part of it, part of the manna, until morning, but it was full of maggots and it began to smell. Like this is what not trusting in the God looks like. It's smelly maggoty bread. And then on the sixth day, something interesting happens. Listen to this, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and save whatever is left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it like it did every other day of the week. Verse 25, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? How long will you not trust me? How long will you not believe me? Verse 29, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. And that is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. In verse 31, the people of Israel called the bread manna. And they're gonna eat this bread for the next 40 years until they enter the promised land. Now, I, I love Exodus 16 because you see two things happening here that I think are just so, so true. On one hand, you have the gracious uh, providence of God. 
You have the faithfulness of God just on full display here. God is providing for his people. And of course, this is a biblical truth that we see throughout pages, the pages of the Bible. I mean, just over and over and over again, we're reminded of how God provides for his people. I mean, listen to just a few of these promises that we have in the Bible. Psalm 145 says, The Lord satisfies the desire of every living thing. Philippians 4.19, My God will meet all, all, not some, not a few, all, your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew 7, Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who seek him? Psalm 34, 10, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 23, the famous verse, verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Like the Bible just goes on and on and on to teaches us this, that God provides for us. God provides for us what we need because he loves us, because he's for us because he wants good things for us. He wants to provide for us. And of course, the, the ultimate example of God providing for us is that he gives us his one and only son on our behalf. That when we receive what it is that he's done, that we find life um, eternal. So, and so God, he provides and our role is to receive. That's how this works. God provides and we receive. And so we see this in Exodus 16, God's nature, his goodness, his providence, his faithfulness right there before us. It's right there, we just need to receive it. And this brings up the other thing about Exodus 16 that's so true, is that there's something about human nature that just finds receiving what it is that God does so incredibly difficult because it's so hard to trust God. It's always hard to trust God. Like 100% of the time, it's hard to trust God. It's never not hard to trust God. And that's why we call it trust, because it's, it's just, it takes an element of, I have to trust that God's going to do this, even when I know that God is trustworthy and the evidence is right before me, like say, you know, I'm an ancient Israelite and I just saw the Red Sea be parted just a few weeks ago. And, and even if I just saw that, it's still hard to trust God when, when push comes to shove and I have this, this need in front of me. And so I just, I love this Nexus 16 because you see this dynamic at work. Um, God is faithful. God provides. God loves us. He takes care of us. And yet at the same time, human nature is, is just, it's hard to trust God. This reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, and I feel like this is a passage I quote in like every other sermon because it's just so incredibly relevant. But in Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about this dynamic and he says this. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about whatever it is that keeps you up at night. Fill in the blank for all of those worries. Jesus says, don't worry about those things. He goes on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Do not labor or spin, and I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, when I hear Jesus say this in Matthew 6, I have this, you might call naive idea about this, that when Jesus says this, 
I think he actually means it. I think Jesus actually intends for his followers not to live a life of worry. I think he actually means it. I don't think this is one of those like, oh man, wouldn't it be nice if I was free from worry? Or can you imagine what it'd be like if I wasn't stressed out all the time? No, no, no. I think Jesus intends for his followers to be free of this worry that plagues our world and plagues people around us that the pagans run after, as Jesus says. I think Jesus actually intends us to be free of this. Now, as you read through this, it's really tempting to, uh, to, to think that Jesus is saying something in Matthew 6 that he's not really saying. It's, it's tempting to hear Jesus say, do not worry about your life and to think to yourself, okay, I need to this week really, really work hard at not worrying, which of course is just a recipe for worrying more. Like it doesn't, doesn't work that way. Because what Jesus is really saying here is that for a follower of his, uh, worrying is just a complete waste of time. And it's a complete waste of time because if you're listening to what he just said, it's a, it's a waste of time because, because God is good. Because God takes care of us. Because God clothes the flowers of the field and the birds in the air. You're more valuable than they. So he's going to take care of you. He's going to give you what you need. And so it's a complete waste of time for us. And so we may not think about this very often, but, but what Jesus is telling us is, listen, we don't need to worry and spend our life in, those energy, in, that, in that pattern because God is good. And this is what we see in Exodus 16. The same dynamic is at work here. This is the same tension. It's out of God's goodness that he provides for his people. And every day there's manna. It's going to show up without fail every single day. And yet there is this struggle to trust God. And as we think about the people of Israel, I think it's just fascinating that the struggle to trust God, it really hinges on what do these people do on the Sabbath. So as they think about this, this question here in Exodus 16, it's, it's, it's hinging on how they keep the Sabbath. Because you may not think about this very often, but, but the Sabbath and how we keep the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath is an exercise, a practical exercise in trusting God. Let me explain. Uh, there is this principle that I'm going to call um, the law of limitations. This is my, my words. Maybe there's better ways to say this, but the law of limitations, the principle of law of limitations, this law of limitations is uh, really simple. It's not profound. It's uh, self-evident. When I say it, everyone is going to acknowledge the law of limitations. And uh, the law of limitations is a, is a concept that is absolutely necessary if you're going to be somebody who trusts God and doesn't worry about their life. Like it's absolutely important that you, you understand this law of limitations, but however simple and necessary and self-evident it might be, the law of limitations is also one of those things that very few people actually uh, follow it. So the law of limitations, re really simple, really simple. Here it is. It's the understanding that I have limits. Very simple, right? I have limits. There's only so much that, that, that I can do. I, I have limits to what I can do. I only have so much bandwidth in my thinking. So there's only so many things I can hold in my head. I, I only have, you know, so much money. I only have so much time. I only have so much energy. I only have so much capacity for relationships. I just, I like, I'm limited. But, but what I have, and this is key to the law of limitations, what I have is enough. I have what I, what I have is enough. And so, so, so I have what I have is enough. Um, I only have so much, but what I have is enough. And I understand this and I accept this. And very few people live into this law of limitations. One of the things that two things are going to happen. One is that uh, you are going to be 
uh, liberated. Like when you can understand and accept that I have limitations in my life, I mean, it is like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders because the responsibilities you feel that aren't yours to carry in the first place, like it gets lifted off of your shoulders as you begin to realize, you know what? There's only so much that I can do. There's only so much energy I have, so much money I have, so much time I have. There's only so much that I can accomplish. And when I can understand this, it is like a a weight gets lifted off your shoulders. I learned this lesson about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so as I was approaching the cliff of burnout. I was looking over the side and I, and I saw other people go over this, this side of burnout and what it looked like. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And so I had to come to the terms with the idea that, you know what, I have limits. And that was a painful lesson to learn because it goes against my pride and you know, my pride wants to tell me I, I have no limits. I can push myself farther and faster and do more. And, you know, but, but the truth is, as I, as I learned that lesson, I found this liberation within it, this, this weight being lifted off of my shoulders as I learned that, well, I have limits and I don't have to meet other people's expectations. I just have to do what it is that, that, I, that I can do. And so it's, it's liberating when we understand this. The other thing that happens when we understand our, our limitations is that, is that we have a new capacity to trust God. Because if I can understand that I only have so much of whatever it is I have, what I begin to do is I begin to trust God who has no limits. I have limits, but God has no limits. And so I can trust God to go beyond what it is that I can do because I'm going to do what I can do, but I can trust God to move beyond that and to do more than I can accomplish and more than I can achieve. And so I can begin to trust God for this. And so this is exactly what we see with the, with the Israelites. They are limited. They cannot provide food for themselves. They can't provide water. They, they, they are in the desert. And yet what they can't do in their lack, God does for them. They just have to trust him. They, they have to take him at his word and believe him as, as, as what he says. This is the law of limitations. It's super simple. It's self-evident. All of us acknowledge it. It makes sense in our heads. But listen, most people don't follow it. And I think the reason why most people don't follow this very simple uh, law of limitations is because the message of the world is also very simple. And the message of the world is more. More. I'm not going to be happy until I have more. More money, uh, more relationships, more friends, more likes. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have more vacations, more square footage. I'm gonna have more, more, just more, more, more. And so we, we stretch ourselves and we end up chasing after more, more, more. And as you, as you chase after more, what happens is you, you always extend yourself past your limitations. And when you go past your limitations, there is always consequence to that. I mean, if I stretch myself too thin, if I overschedule myself, overcommit, if I overspend, there's always consequences that come with, with stretching myself like this. I mean, this comes with consequences. If you go beyond your financial limit, you end up in debt. If you go beyond your, your uh, time limit, you end up not spending time, sacrificing time with God and with the people who matter to you most, the, like the most important things in life get sacrificed. If you, if you go beyond your, your emotional limit, you find yourself approaching burnout. Maybe you're irritable. You don't have enough to give to people and, and you just, you find yourself distant. And so the law of limitations is, is, is very simple. It's not profound. It's self-evident. And yet very few of us follow it. And this brings me back to my wild theory about the Sabbath that modern American Christians, we desperately need to rediscover the Sabbath. And the, and the reason for this 
is because one of the Sabbath, one of the things that Sabbath teaches us is it teaches us limits. I mean, this is the idea here. It's in six days I'm going to work, but I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a day that once a week where I pause and I don't produce, I don't make, I don't get things done. All I do is I receive. This is what happens on the Sabbath. I think about the Israelites. They're, they're learning this. They can't provide for themselves. They can't do everything for themselves. But when they trust God by keeping the Sabbath, He is able to do for them what they can't do for themselves. All they have to do now is receive. So having a day where you stop, you decide to worship, you decide to be in relationship to, with people, you decide to rest and take care of yourself. What you're doing is you're having a day to say, you know what, this isn't about production. It's not about achievement. It's not about checking things off my list and getting things done so I can get to the next day and get to my work week. No, 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 no. It's about having a day where I receive. That's all it is. I have a day where I receive. So I can't help but wonder if as we've dismissed the Sabbath as being old-fashioned and irrelevant, if we haven't replaced that with something else and we, we've replaced it with this chasing after more. So we just fill more things onto our life and I just, I just can't help but wonder what consequences come with that. How many families are more disconnected now? How many people are more tired now? How much more fatigue is there now in our lives? How much more are we overstretched and, and overspent because all we've done is we've chased after more. We haven't understood this law of limitation. So as a close day, let me, just, let me just pose a question for you to think about. In your life and in what you go through, are there limitations that you have been ignoring? And with that, are there consequences that you've been struggling with? Burnout, fatigue, distance from God, distance from other people, things that where you begin to, to feel irritable or stressed out all of the time and, you, and you're dealing even more with anxiety and worry. These are the consequences of what happens when, when we fail to understand our limits. But as we give ourselves a day every week, as the Bible teaches us, where we stop, we don't chase after more, we don't try to get more done. All we do is we have a regular rhythm of receiving. What happens is we begin to understand, I have to live within my limits and then I can receive what it is that God wants to do. Let's pray together. So Father, today uh, we start with a simple confession that we are limited. Now, many of us, we have chased after more. We've filled more things in our calendar. We've overspent, we've overextended ourselves. We're emotionally drained and tired and distant from people. And if we're honest, there are some ways we've been chasing after more and ignoring our limitations. So did you bring to mind maybe some of the ways that we've overstretched ourselves? And in this, let us hear the words of, of scripture that teaches us to stop to have a regular rhythm of, of pausing and resting and, and receiving from you, of connecting with you, of worship and connecting with people around us and taking time to be refreshed and restored because this is what you teach us. You provide for us. You give us what we need. You are able to do what we can never do for ourselves. And so we want to trust you with our lives. Help us to live within this understanding that, that we have limits. There is such liberation in this as we begin to, to understand this and then to also trust you with what we need you to do. Ultimately, of course, we know your providence is given to us because you gave us your son. 
who is given for us as a sacrifice that whoever believes in him might have life eternal just to receive what it is that you have. And so Lord, today we wanna receive your grace and your mercy in our lives. For those of us who don't know this at all for us, we, we just pray a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive us our sins and would you leave us lead our lives? It's in the name of Jesus we pray today, amen. Thank you so much for being here with us today for worship. I wanna especially thank our team for making this service possible, Stephanie for her great announcements and Pastor Spencer for his powerful message. If you know someone that would benefit from this message, we invite you to share it on social media. Thank you so much for doing this. And now we invite you back next week for week four of our sermon series, Rest. Have a great week.
Yeah. 